0: Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz and welcome back to the fourth Sunday of Easter for the week of May 12th, 2019. I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to get into this week's podcast and I'm excited to say happy Good Shepherd Sunday. As we are dealing with texts that traditionally are looked at as following the sheep or looking toward the good shepherd in this week's text. And I'm excited to get into it because I think there's some unique correlations when we look at just human nature and what we could specifically pick up from the Gospel of John this week. But before we get into that, I have to do my shameless plug. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. Between their Sermon brainwaves podcast, their commentaries, their discussions, where else do you get to listen to seminary professors talking about and prepping you for the upcoming text each and every week? And I'd highly recommend it if you haven't checked it out, workingpreacher.org. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them every single week. And before we get into this week's text, I want to also look back on our Twitter question from last week. And again, this is kind of a much deeper, more introspective type of question is, what is God calling you to do? And I think there's just, it's something that we have to continually to think about and to discuss within our own lives, because it's something that I feel constantly is changing. I feel like there is this movement that God has within our lives that there's a point where there's a time and a season for something, and at times we don't want those seasons to end, and yet he sees in another way. He tells us again to continue to move forward, and at times it's difficult, at times it's easy, but it's always beneficial to be able to see what's on the other side. So let's get into this week's text. The gospel text this week is out of John chapter 10, verses 22 through 30. And this is interesting reading to begin with. You have Jesus in Jerusalem. It's stated that it's winter. He's in the temple and Jews are gathered around him. And then they're just asking him plainly, are you the Messiah? And Jesus answers them coming from verse 25. I have told you and you do not believe the works that I do in my father's name testify to me, but you do not believe because you do not belong to my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. What my father has given me is greater than all else and no one can snatch them out of my father's hand. The father and I are one. Finishing up the reading there in verse 30. So this idea of us understanding Our call, kind of building off of last week, but also understanding the voice of God in our own lives. And I think it's something that's really interesting. And I think this week I found an interesting correlation. That we have found in psychology And I'm excited to get into it But let's continue on here The first reading is from Acts chapter 9 Verses 36 through 43 And we get this story of Tabitha Who is from Dorcas And she has been this woman that has Provided goods and acts of charity As I talked about in Sermon brainwaves podcast It very well could have been that She was making clothes and tunics for the community and this is something that takes a lot of work and was a very skilled job to have and that she has passed away so linda is requested to get peter and comes up to the upper room sees this and he then kneels down and prays and she gets up and it's this kind of peter doing a resurrection type of story and then of course the news of this spreads throughout the land. So again, this idea of understanding calling, understanding the gifts that God has given us in Peter, but also understanding Tabitha's gifts, that she was this needed part of the community. And if I would say if she had passed away, figuring out how were the pieces of that going to be picked up by the community themselves. The psalm this week is arguably the most popular psalm on the face of the planet, Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And this idea of comforting us in these times of trial, but also as he comforts, he also prepares this table for us to that he will continue to pour into as long as we are open to him pouring into it. And I think that's an important thing to remember is that as long as we are open to it, then Christ will continue to pour and that our cup will overflow. The second reading is from Revelation chapter 7 verses 9 through 17. And you get the worshiping element that we've been getting from these Revelation readings, but also you get how the lamb with the blood of the lamb has been washed clean. Here coming from verse 14, I said to them, sir, you are the one that knows. Then he said to me, these are they who have come out of great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. For this reason, they are before the throne of God and worship him day and night within his temple and the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. This idea that the blood of Christ, which we have gone through here recently, how that sets us free, that that's where the worship should come from. And I think it's interesting to have that coming out of Revelation this week as we are looking at and thinking about these callings and this and the freedom then that this verse is reminding us of, the freedom that comes from the crucifixion and the resurrection to be able to empower us to move forward in our faith. So how does this all tie to science? And I think that's an interesting and a uh, important question for the Faith and Science podcast this week. And I thought about this a lot. I tried seeing if I could find stuff on Voice with Parent and Child, but I found something I think that's a little bit more interesting. And it's called attachment theory. And if you're not familiar with attachment theory, it came out of the late 1950s from John Bowlby and Mary Answorth were the two who did a lot of studies on this. And I got a lot of my sources this week from SciShow, and I haven't plugged them in a little while. If you haven't checked out SciShow, it's on YouTube. It's by John Green and Hank Green. It's one of their things that they've done. It's a very cool show every day couple days they come up with a video on these different topics you're more than willing to send in questions for them to look into and it's a very informative. There's a lot of little things that they put out and they source their stuff extremely well. So if you haven't checked out SciShow for your science itch, I'd highly recommend it. When I am looking to source things, it's one of the sources that I will look to to see if they have a video discussing whatever subject matter I'm thinking in my head. It's awesome when I see their videos pop up. So anyways, John Bowlby had four-stage way of attachment. And what he was talking about with attachment was especially babies with their mothers and then how they interact with other people. So the idea of attachment theory is that we're building a secure bond then with the caregiver. the parent in money cases, but caregiver also can mean adoption or different things of that nature, that the child is having some type of bond with some adult figure in their life. So Bowlby's first phase that's kind of been disproven is pre-attachment. And this is where they don't really know who their parents are. It doesn't really matter at that point. They're still trying to figure out who that is. And the reason I bring this up, as I have looked through these and worked through this, I feel there's a lot of correlations to us within faith. And I think there is a point where we all have a pre attachment phase where we don't know who our Father, our Creator is. And this understanding of at some point it hits us that we have to try to wrestle with who or how did we come to be. And I think it's one of the reasons that for me in the Christian faith with having science, like the science explains the how, but it doesn't explain the why. And I think there's that faith aspect that really helps us zone in on the why. And I think so this pre-attachment phase to me, when I look at it, is the pre-faith acknowledgement, pre-faith understanding. Then you have attachment in the making. This is until about six months. They really don't care who is in the room, if it's a stranger, as long as their caregiver is there. So you'll notice, especially with young children, as long as their caregiver or parent figure is in the room, you can pass the baby around and they're typically okay with this. Attachment comes then after that. And that's where they might have that separation anxiety. When you start passing them around the sobbing, they're just feeling anxious with being separated from their parent. And then around two years old is when they start to perceive their own independence. And that's where they start to realize that they don't have to be quite as clingy usually. And that's kind of where that comes from and that was all Bowlby's and then Ainsworth kind of built upon it and she had secure attachment resistant attachment avoidant attachment and disorganized attachment secure attachment being that they have somebody that they're comfortable with when their parent and present and they'll get upset when they're left alone but settle down quite quickly when the parent or caregiver figure returns The resistant attachment is that they're close with the parent, but they get extremely upset when the parent leaves, and when the caregiver returns, they often will also lash out that there's an aggressive form there. Avoidant attachment is that they're indifferent to parent or stranger in the room. They really don't seem to care or matter. And disorganized is that there's no response, almost like they're depressed, but then they'll have outbursts of intense emotion and that last one has been associated with most likely with behavior problems and as you dig into this again it gets really messy because whatever a type of attachment you fall into most likely 70% of the time when they ever they figured out the child was at that young age when they were growing up is what they'll be as an adult The outliers being that if there was a major shift in the family, if there was possibly a significant other that walks into the life later and was a different one, they can kind of shift. There are some adjustments to that, but the one that they find people usually doing the best with is a stable, secure attachment. Whereas an insecure or one of the other three can be some type of abuse, neglect, or even poverty causing this type of strained relationship with the parent and strained trust with how they grow and develop. And I think about this as I walk through this and thinking about what Jesus is talking about, especially calling us sheep and knowing his voice. And I think there's a lot of correlations, like I kind of tipped my hand earlier, to faith. I think there's a lot of times where we have to realize within our faith walk that. We might be secure. And I know for me, being raised in the faith my whole life, as far back as I can remember, I have been in a secure place in my faith. And growing up, I was in a secure household. There wasn't these worries about different things. I never had to worry. For me, in a way, this came naturally. But I think there's a point when we're thinking about this and thinking about how these Different influences within the parent and child or caregiver and child dynamic can really influence, I think, not only their personality, but also their faith walk. Because I think if there's a point where they have felt abused, neglected, or gone through poverty, I think it becomes harder to understand maybe the same type of God that a person with secure attachment would have. Because their image of life is different. And is there ways that we can influence them to feel comfortable and safe and and all that? Yes. But I think there's still a point of understanding that because you were raised in the one certain way of having that maybe secure attachment growing up, doesn't mean that everyone's going through that. Doesn't mean that it's easy for us to grapple with. But I think about it in just as we have grown up, haven't we also gone through these different types of attachment where we're comfortable with God, but there's times where we get upset when we feel like we're alone and we're not with God, like the secure attachment from Ainsworth or close with God. But then we get upset and we lash out at God because where have you been? I don't feel like you're there. I think that times or even different people going through that indifferent phase, does this really all matter? Who is this? What does this all mean? And taking it even a step further with the disorganized attachment where there's no response, but when they get sick of hearing all these spiritual conversations and don't know what they're believing themselves and don't like us Pushing it down their throat. And I think it's one of these ways when we're thinking about this, when Jesus is talking about understanding and hearing the call, understanding that, yes, some of them maybe haven't heard the call, but how do we best help them hear that call without pushing it to the point where they're rejecting the notion of there being something greater than themselves? It's a difficult one to go through and especially tying some of this faith and science together. And I know there's some of these points where it gets difficult. I mean, I even look at like the Bulby, like the pre-attachment where we don't know that there's a God, and then we grow and it's like you're just wanting information. It doesn't matter where you're getting it from. I just want to learn about God. And so then you just want God all the time, that attachment phase where there's nothing in my life more needed than that. And we hope in a way that we don't get to that two-year-old phase of the formation of our independence. Because it's as we become independent and we grow in the faith, it's important. But there's a point where at times we forget about how important God is and how much we need him. Is it really a coincidence when Jesus is talking about let the little children come to me and how often we look to children for our own faith because they haven't been quote-unquote polluted by all the different things of life yet? That it's more a pure and true faith? Is that not what we're looking at here? Because at that point it hasn't been polluted by people letting them down or God letting them down. They know that God's just there. And God will help them. How often we yet forget these things and how often then it causes us to wrestle with and go through all these different phases where we question and and all this. And I'm not saying that questioning is bad. It's questioning is good. But do we do it appropriately? Do we feel that separation and we're just upset that we're not closer to God because we're not putting in the work and the effort? Or do we start to lash out in other ways, in other parts of our lives? This is the thing that can get so difficult when you're dealing with communication theory and or psychology theory and trying to tie it to faith. Because we're so close to it, at times it's so difficult to be able to separate. Are we really hearing the voice of God in our day-to-day lives and being able to know when he is calling us, the sheep, to a different path to a different way to a new place a new location to let the pasture come back to steer us away from danger are we that tuned in and are we that tuned in and that secure to trust him in that or do we trust him only to a point and yet we still at times will lash out or are we at a point in our faith that we just don't even know what to believe anymore and so it either causes these intense outbursts or we're just trying to be indifferent and go with the flow the scary thing is to me when i look at these different types of attachments and think about them this isn't that different than us this isn't that different than us in the faith and we're talking about kids under two years old and yet when i look at faith are we at the age of a two-year-old or is it that the two-year-old that we're trying to strive toward are we looking for that secure attachment, that place where we know that God just will not let us go? But we realize that that still means that we requires a lot of work from us. Peter, with this woman, did he know when he walked up to there that he was going to heal this woman? Or did he just have the faith from praying and talking with God over her body that God told him to tell her to get up? See, that's the thing I think we forget. Is it that Peter is calling that out in faith, or has he been told it by God for us to do? That's another story for another day, but I think there's things to consider here. If the sins have been wiped clean, and that we have a table prepared for us in front of our enemies... But that we are anointed. We are told that as long as we are open, the cup will overflow. But we have to be then connected to the parent. We have to trust that parent. We have to have that secure relationship. And that secure relationship should come from us understanding the blood of the Lamb was there for us. And that should cause us to worship. That should cause us to Go forth and sin boldly. Go forth and trust that God is there with us. Trusting that God will continue to help and guide us, but we have to do our part also. The scary thing is we're looking at attachment, we're looking at a two-year-old and us understanding that many of us do not remember what it was like to be two years old. We were walking in a world at that point that we didn't understand, that we didn't know what was going on. And is that not what we're in today? Not with the world events that are going on. That we've been told this truth that God created, and yet there's so many things that we're trying to understand and trying to comprehend. Yet we don't have all the pieces. We can't figure it all out. And maybe that's the point. Maybe it's just the point that we're just not supposed to fully understand this part of life. The thing that we're supposed to understand is that God created it, and he wants us to tell others about it. Maybe that's the point. Maybe that's the whole reason on why we're here, to give thanks and praise that God cared about us to put us here, to talk about to others about him, and to appreciate his creation and start to understand, start to figure out things about God, but we're never gonna figure it all out. We're never gonna comprehend all of it because that's not for this life to understand. So, the Twitter question this week is, where are you with attachment to God? Where are you with attachment to God? And if I'm honest with myself, there's still work to be done. There's still work and time and places that I need to put myself to continue to grow so I can continue to have the secure faith that I need moving forward. And I know that might be a simple bailout, but I think it's true. I think it's one of those things that we continue to grow, but we will never move past. And that's the whole purpose of faith is to continue to try to understand, but the whole purpose is not to figure everything out in this lifetime. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.